Welcome to From the Beer Hall and live. Yes, we're live. It's uh, me, Simon Evans, here with Andrew Greaves, Justin Connolly, Paul Woodhouse, and Chris Borden. And uh, yeah, it's great to do this. We're going to give it a try on YouTube. And uh, yeah, everyone all right? Everyone ready to go? Good, mate. Absolutely. Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get down to it. We're going to start off with a bit of news and then we'll go into uh, questions. Uh, we've got lots of questions. If you do want to ask any questions, you can uh, use the uh, chat feature at the side of the screen on YouTube as well. That's probably a better way of doing it live during the show than doing it on Twitter because we aren't going to be uh, monitoring Twitter all the way through the show. But uh, feel free to send in whatever questions or comments you have. Let's get started with a bit of news. And. Uh, yeah, Nathan Redmond, not good news. Chris Borden, it was uh, a bit of a blow that to see uh, that about Nathan Redmond. Well, massively, it was a bit, it's a bit like the Ben Gibson episode, wasn't it? That nobody, nobody sort of had a had a peep of his injury, and all of a sudden there's a picture of him lying in a in a hospital bed. And uh, yeah, I don't think uh, you know we've we no sort of idea what it is, you know, how long he's going to be out for, but it, it doesn't look uh, look clever at all, and. Uh, yeah, again, there'd been a sort of bit of speculation oh, back in Turkey where he'd been uh, playing at Besiktas and he was, uh, you know, not too happy with his role at Burnley and maybe looking to get back that way. But, you know, that obviously puts a kibosh on that. But, uh, yeah, it's a shame. So we haven't really seen... I think, I think, I think you poll Burnley fans, I think the vast majority of them would say it was a very sensible signing, a free transfer, and you know, good Premier League experience and, you know, and an exciting... So you know, wide player, you know, experienced wide player, but uh, he's just not not had the opportunity really, has he? You know, he's uh, played as a false nine at times and uh, shown flashes of his class, but who knows when we'll see him again? Yeah, it is. It is, it is a blow for him, isn't it? But Greavesy, I mean, he wasn't playing a big role, was he? He was a, seemed to be in a sort of specialist last ten minutes, man, really. But uh, do we? I mean, I don't know. Do we go and look in the transfer market for another last 10 minutes, man? I mean, seriously, though, do we need any to look for a bit more experience if he's our experienced man? Yeah, I think, you know, we'd, we'd said a few times on the podcast that him being the experienced man, I, we expect a company perhaps to use him a little bit more, and I, I certainly expect him to play a bigger role. Um, he had a good season last season, by all accounts, with Besiktas in, in Turkey. And he's actually not as old as we think, is he? I think he's, what, 39, uh, sorry, 29, 30, something like that. So um, he, he's not somebody who's, who's over the hill from a, from a Premier League point of view and, and, you know, still has plenty of class. So, yeah, I think company will have a look. I think he probably wants his stock levels to be at such a, such, you know, such a point. And if we're going to talk about transfers and, you know, jungle drums are, banging over Benson, looking like he's definitely going to leave our friend Sasha, you know, basically touting him to various clubs and things. So I do think we'll probably look for somebody else. I'm not sure we really need somebody else, um, given given what we've got, not in that position. Um, but yeah, I think, it, unfortunately, if we don't see him again in a Burnley shirt, um, it'll, be, it'll be a bit disappointing because I think he probably could have added something that we've been lacking over the last um, last six months, first six months of the Premier League season. Mm. I mean, Justin, that Benson aspect of it there that Greavesy just raised, I mean, he, he's been linked more than any of our players with a move. Now, we know how the media works with transfer rumours and we sh- should take some of it with a pinch of salt when you look at where, where stuff's coming from. But as Greavesy yeah. said, Sasha seems to have an idea what's going on inside the entourages of, of Belgian players. Are, are you surprised that, I mean, we've all been surprised that Benson's hardly featured. But are you mm. surprised that he seems to be being, you know, moved along so quickly? 
Well, not not really. Not not considering that he hasn't featured. Not, not considering that he's. I mean, I, I don't, has he started a game this season? Man, he didn't start many last season, did he? He was used a bit more of a, of a as an impact sub. I think it's I think it's one of those situations where, you know, we we need to to offload some of the players that aren't playing regularly, and he's one of the ones who probably comes, you know, with a with a decent price tag. More money than we paid for him, I would have thought. I think it's just as simple as that. If he isn't going to play, we might as well cash in now while we can. Because if we wait till the summer, he's not going to be worth anywhere near as much as he is now, is he? I think that's. I think. I think it's just. It's. It's. It's that. Probably dropped you know, a bit already, hasn't he? Yeah, he, he probably has. I mean, he's been. He's. He's. He seems quite injury prone, doesn't he? So, um, you know, that'll be a factor in it as well. Um, but. You know, a lot. Most of these players who haven't featured this season much, uh, they, they've all got got to be up for grabs, haven't they? Otherwise, there's no there's no point in them sitting on the bench or or not even making the bench, is there? No, that's right. I mean, Woody, there's there's been other mentions. I mean, Leeds United supposed to be in for Benson. There's, they've also been strongly rumored to be in for Connor Roberts as well. Don't know. Again, we don't know how much truth there is in that, but. Are you expecting to see a few out of the door? I mean, it does seem slightly strange that a team at the bottom of the table would be would be moving people out, but maybe we have to shuffle the deck again. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've we've said since the season started in pre-season, you know, who we needed, and we still don't have those people that we need in the right position. So it makes sense for people who aren't playing to be shuffled along, and hopefully, we do get the right folks in. Um, it shouldn't be too. It shouldn't be too bad. Got to got to say, it did raise a smile though. Re- reading today's uh, rumor that's coming out of Turkey that uh, Burnley are interested in uh, a winger. <laughs> Surely not. Teta, who's been at Galatasaray, was was with Leicester City before that. Um, I I didn't really pick pick up much of him at Leicester City, to be honest. Uh, Anybody, Chris? Not a dicky bird, but uh, yeah, I, again, it's no surprise to see Burnley link with a wide player, is it? But uh, it's again, I, I, I'd be sad to see to see Benson depart. So we, we, I mean, say Vincent's a better judge of player than we are, and he's you know he's seen more of Benson in training than we have. And uh, but I think him and Zorori have started twice between them. So we don't. We, we, he's not a fair cracker. We, obviously, he's had the injury that he picked up at uh, at Salford in in the League Cup. But uh, you know, the 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 lad has magic in that left boot, hasn't he? And uh, you know, he, he might be one of those players that doesn't necessarily contribute to uh, you know the, the the framework, the structure of the team. But he'll just pop up with that bit of magic and might get nick us a few points here and there. But uh, it's it's crazy. You're looking at sort of Leeds fans saying, "Well, ooh, I don't want him." Because he's not done much in the Premier League. If we get there, and it's heartbreaking to see that you know people coming to that sort of conclusion, really, when you know we, we've all seen what he's capable of at uh, at Championship level. He, he is a he's a match winner, and uh, Lord knows why we've not seen enough of him, him and uh, and Zorori. No, it is it is a, it is a head scratcher. That I mean, is it as ridiculous? an idea as it seems at first that we're in for a winger in the January window. I mean, if we'd have said that at the start of the season, we'd have probably all been guffawing and laughing about it, wouldn't we? But but if Kolyoshaw's out injured, um, Zorori's not featuring, Benson's on his way out of the door, you know, the, the huge Redmond's injured, who was one mm-hmm. of our wide options. Goodmanson picks up a lot of injury. I mean, is it that crazy, really, to, to say, well, we need another winger? Or, or are, we, are we sticking... You know, and hoping that Oderbert and Brun Larson stay fit all year, really, aren't we? Otherwise, Greavesy. Yeah, I think I think you're right when you put it like that. But I I then just wonder why, if we are looking for a winger, and 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 Burnley Tom says if any of us seen uh, anything of Tete at Leicester last season, I'll be honest, I haven't. A mate of mine said he was pretty crap, though. You know, he's, he's, he's well, that decides it then. That's it. Useless. Right, and he's got. I think it's one goal and one assist in seventeen games at Galatasaray on loan this season. Um, but I do just wonder whether you know is he any is he any better than Benson and Zorori? You know, because he's not 
he played not that many times for Leicester. So experience-wise, he's not that many games in front of mm. a Ben Rory. We do seem to be being linked with players who aren't getting much of a look in. There's, is it Papagayi down at Marseille? I think he's played twice for Marseille this year. Yet all of a sudden we've deemed him as being possibly good enough to, to add something to a squad in the Premier League. So I do just wonder um, whether or not there is um, there is something. We have had a question about um, from Danny Ward, who says, is there any murmur addressing room unrest? A few unhappy players in there, Murray, Zerori, Benson. Simon Ed says, um, what's Simon Ed say? Benson's game changer must be a fallout. You've got to start to draw some of these conclusions, haven't you? That if we are looking at wingers, when we have got plentiful wingers that aren't injured, two of two of which were game changers and game winners in the in the championship. Hmm. If they're now deemed, having been given new extensions to contracts, deemed no longer no longer um required, why are we then thinking about going out and, and buying wingers or bringing other wingers in on loan when we've not really given a fair crack of the whip to the, the two you know fan favourites that we've we've got there, if you will. Who both signed new contracts in the summer. Yeah, mm. exactly. That's the perplexes. I've said before, as a caveat, I mean, if it was triggered by performance, by, you know, whatever it was, you know, appearances, goals, promotion, whatever it was, a pair of them have signed, you know, extensive new deals, only for us to then barely see a sniff of them in pre season and then for mm. nowhere near from then onwards. It, it, it is absolutely. Baffling, is it? It's so we go back to what Vincent was saying a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about uh, was it saying the the, the you know Benson's situation is slightly different than the other way around? I can't remember quite uh, quite to 100%, but it, it's not been explained, has it? It's not come out via you know the various press briefings, etc., and everyone's in the dark, and it's it's just a uh, real, real crying shame, you know. Is it? He's a folk hero. You know, the Benson's a folk hero at the end of the day. He will go down in Burnley, like Burnley legend, you know, for that magic night at, uh, you know, down the road. But uh, uh, I'd, 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 be, I'd, be get, I'd be absolutely gutted if he left. Yeah, yeah. Quick one here. On a night shift, guys, any chance you can upload this as a podcast when it's finished? Yes, we will be doing that. It'll be available as usual, as, as the usual podcast. Uh, that's kind of the idea. Just uh, give you uh, a, a live version of it as well, but yeah, this will be available as a normal podcast, and it'll be really interesting for people to hear me say that tomorrow during the podcast that it's available to them. <laughs> Imagine doing that. Imagine doing that, Simon. Imagine yeah. more, more editing work to do. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got tons of questions. I think we should dive right in. I think Greaves is in the command seat there. We've got so many questions. We don't want to leave them uh, hanging out there having solicited them. So why don't why don't you pile in Greavesy with some of these? There's a lot of good ones yeah. there to talk about. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you know there's no game this weekend, so we've got plenty of. Uh, we might as well turn to some questions. So Joe Patterson's asked a few questions, but I think this is a question from Joe that I think is really interesting. So Joe says, "Do you think the club should take the transfers away from company and appoint a Mike Rig?" Now there is the letter A before the words Mike and Rig, so we're not <laughs> suggesting <laughs> we're not getting Mike back. Rig comes back, but. <laughs> I'm interested to know what you guys think. We've discussed on the podcast a couple of times about whether a company needs an experienced head as some kind of coach. Um, but this is kind of perhaps a little bit different in terms of appointing a Mike Rig. Now, as we understand, the transfers are all kind of set by Vincent and this company that he part owns. This appears to be, you know, outsourcing the recruitment side of things. But Justin... Um, recruitment last summer, summer 2022, massive thumbs up. Recruitment this last summer, 2023, get my dates right, not so much. Do we bring somebody in just because we've had one potentially bad window in in three, maybe one in four at the end of this this current transfer window? It's It's a really difficult question to answer this because we don't really know how it works now, do we? I'm sure it's not Vincent Company saying, you know, I want this guy, let's let's get him and that's it. I'm sure 
a lot of people have input into how how this how that situation develops. And given that it's all run by this sort of separate company that we're that you know it's all and it's all stats based, isn't it? They look for the profile of the player and all that sort of thing. Um, it, it's hard to imagine that somebody else is going to have a massive impact on that. Are we saying we want to cook somebody to come in and completely take over? You know, have the final say on on transfers? I don't think so. I think the manager's always got to have the final say on who he wants in his squad uh, because only he knows how he wants the squad to develop and who he wants in it. Could he use with a could he could he use a a, a little bit of experienced know how on on you know who knows I mean the the kind of players that we are in for and that we are signing are the kind of players that an old head probably wouldn't know anything about anyway so I don't know I, I mean it, it, we 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 need to wait and see how this season plays out how these players that we've brought in continue to develop how. You know, our opinion on on the transfer window of last summer may have changed by the time we get to the end of this season because we just, you know, it's a work in progress, isn't it? So I think it's a little bit too early to judge yet. Yeah. Um, Would it, I mean, are we judging this current crop of players too harshly and too quickly because they've been thrown into the fight perhaps without... You yeah. know, without that experience, we know they've not got the experience. And, you know, does that then fall on the manager in terms of, you know, he's hanging a lot of these players out to dry by saying, you know, sink or swim. And we were sinking, but now we're swimming to a degree. So as Justin says, do we give it till the end of the season? Look at where we're at. You know, we may move a couple on for, for biggish transfer fees after having had a good second half of the season. It may be that we sneak survival. And that actually having these players in for next year, you know, everything becomes a lot easier because you've had that. Where do you sit on the whole kind of transfer? Does he need a guru to come in? Does bringing a guru in just add, you know, a, another layer that we don't need? We've tried it before and it's never really come off, has it? It's it's one of those, isn't it? It's it's you see fans, they'll throw things out there and we might say he needs an old head, he needs something to help him. It'd be useful if there was somebody there to be able to look after transfers, etc., etc. But to your original point, he has his own little side hustle. Now, you're not suddenly going to tell Vincent Company, right, you can no longer get your own players, etc., etc. I've got a I've got a strange feeling that he's very much hands-on, that's his baby, etc. And that there's going to be quite a bit of upset if that goes through. But saying that, it's not his bloody club, is it? You know, and saying that on top of that, who is the in the club who has a clue as to how they would or who they should employ in that role? You know, so it's a little bit of one or the other. You're stuck with Vinny to a greater or lesser degree because he understands it all. He's been given the keys. And then what actually happens once you take those keys away? Etc., and who then makes that decision? So it's a little bit the better devil you know, and be careful what you you know you wish for. I think, but uh, I think there's a case to say something needs shaking up somewhere. But it may, if it if it suddenly starts to turn around, we'll have a different conversation about it again, won't we? I mean, I mean the the logic of having a a director of football type person in there who's responsible for for transfers is that you get the continuity in place for that you're building it for the club's benefit, not just that particular first-team mm. coach, as they often get called when they have a director of football. And I can I can totally see how that works. And it is starting to work at some clubs now, that, I think, isn't it? We asked, it was When it first came into English football, people were like, who's in charge? You know, Fergie would never have a director of football above him and all that kind of stuff. But we are starting to see certain clubs, you know, whether it be, I don't know who's a good example of it, really, Arsenal, perhaps, you know, who... <laughs> Who are, are are bringing in players and building building their their squad depth in conjunction with that manager, but with 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 the view that they're doing it for the benefit of the club, not just targets that that manager's identified. If that was the case, we'd be looking at a major appointment for Pace and ALK Capital to go out and find somebody who would be building the football side of the club over the next ten years, which would immediately come up against the fact that we have this arrangement with companies company um who are doing this so how would it work in practice if you have if you have if you bring somebody in and alan pace says i want you to think of the big picture 
where are we going to be in six years' time? You know, if you're signing a 17-year-old, is he going to be ready in five years' time to come into the first team? All this kind of stuff. But at the same time, you've got a company run by Vincent Company doing what presumably company wants them to do. I can see that being a recipe for disaster, to be honest. Mm. But this, we have to look. I mean, this, you look at the initial batch of transfers uh, under ALK, and you know we were sort of banding them like a like a moneyball approach. You know, they brought in Nathan Collins. You know, and they made a made a profit on Collins. Thought they could have made a bit more, but they made a profit. Corney made a slight profit on Corney and Connor Roberts, who obviously we don't, you know, we don't yet know what the uh, the end result will, will be with him. But it's the same. I mean, these guys. I mean, it's like Jamie Hoyland was saying on a previous podcast, isn't it? You know, all these clubs have the have the data now. They all have the programs. You know, you put it in. What assets do we want? You know, positional sense, pace, age. Experience, how many games, you know, whatever, whatever you're going to punch into your computer, and you know, I, 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 you're all going to come up with similar, you know, similar names on a sheet. I, I, I did an exercise while I was still at the Burnley Express where I got an analyst just to sort of, you know, we didn't, we didn't know what exactly what Sean wanted, but we had a good idea, so we, you know, we, we sort of ran the numbers and you know came up with players that you suspect. I mean, there was one that. I think it was uh, Kevin Campbell's lad at Stoke uh, that you know that was linked with uh, with Burnley around that around that time. So it was fairly accurate, you'd think. So you know, but you know, Vincent's come up with these players, but you do need, like Jamie was saying, someone to actually physically go and get eyes on them, yeah, and give you know give, mm. give you a proper scouting report, you know. And again, what's he like? Off the field, what's his character like? Has he got a good family, etc.? Like Jamie was saying with uh, Branthwaite, you know, he stood up physically, you know, to a you know a, a journeyman League Two centre forward at Carlisle, and you know that that sort of thing. You've got a how, how many pairs of eyeballs have Burnley had on these players in the first place? It's you've mm-hmm. got to get that, that balance, I think. Yeah, I mean, we know that Vincent was spotted quite a bit out in uh, in in Belgium, wasn't he? Certainly, you know, in the the transfer windows last season. I'm not quite sure how much he's um, he's done again. I mean, we had a comment there from um, Kyle uh, Matthew Hilton, who said companies referred to the chairman and recruitment team in presses before. Seems unlikely uh, to me personally. Aok would relinquish all recruitment control to any manager, and I think that probably plays into what you were saying, Chris, about the signings we made under ALK. I mean, they weren't very typical dice signings, really. I haven't Collins possibly, but Corney certainly not. And there's, you know, there was all talk of, you know, dice not 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 really making much effort to kind of convince Corney to come to Burnley. I think the first time he met him was when he arrived at the training ground, despite rumours uh, have it, Alan Pace asking him to go out to France to, to speak to him to try and get that deal over the line. Um but I just didn't, wondered. Didn't get the omelette treatment. Didn't get the omelette treatment. No, not like. Um, well, well, you know, we won't mention him anyway, will we? Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> interesting from Dan Heat. Dan, um, rather cheekily asking, uh, saying he was disappointed at the rumours debunked that we were going to have Barry Kilby on the show. Not sure where that came from. Don't believe everything you read in the press. Uh, we are hoping to get Barry on at some point to to chat about his time here. Um, but Dan also makes a point that the club seems to have moved to automatically triggering long, long contracts, four and five years. The upside of that is clear, and I think it's you know it's really clear we, we let players go for a song because they're in the last years of their contracts or their contracts have come up. Um, but that's a change of approach to the club. Should we, be, should we be worried about it? And I think that is worth discussing because we are essentially tying the club to wages over a much longer period. You know, we, we're not sure about the finances and we'll repeat the um, the open invitation for, for Mr. Pace or um, his sideman, Bobby Ball, to come on the show at any point that they want <laughs> uh, and do a review show with us. Um, but should we be worried, Justin, that we are tying up, you know, wages, which won't be inconsiderate, um, you know, insignificant wages? You know, we're probably talking about the £30,000 a year marking upwards if we're in the Premiership, probably the 20, 25 and upwards. 30- 
Championship. £30,000 a year? Who's getting that? A week, sorry. <laughs> I I'm thinking about newspaper wages, but... Um, yeah, are. that's more... Yeah, I'm joking, that's, that's astronomical, mate. Signing <laughs> ourselves into thirty grand a week for players who, you know, in Benson and Zorro's case, have not had much more than 90 minutes. Now, we need to get the timings right because we have had a bit of stick on up the Clarets um, because Chris said Collie Osher had only played six games and he's played 15 games. Apparently, but there we go. Um, what? Yeah, the... <laughs> yeah, apparently you said six games, mate. So you you need to you need to be checking your. Claret Tell me show when. For, for us, for his injury, yeah, yeah, it only. Yeah, I've never mentioned. I didn't mention Collie Osho. Oh well, there you go. Uh, fact checkers, we need to get on that on up the Claret. Um, Benson Zorori have got these massive contracts now for another four years. I think it is. Should we be worried that we're, you know, on the hook for thirty-five grand a week to both those, and we're not having uh, a sniff of it? Yeah, I think we should be worried about that. But I think it's you. Again, we're talking about we're talking about aspects of of players' contracts that we we don't really know the details. When he when when Dan says they automatically trigger these these long long contracts, I'm not sure what he means by automatically. Is it? It, it was it written into the original contract that when we get promoted, they, they automatically get an extension because we're in the Premier League, and you would hope that it's written into the contract that if we do get relegated this season, that 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 will be sorted, won't it? That the you know it could it could well be that that those contract extensions are reliant on us staying in the Premier League. Certainly, you would hope the the, the level of wages is 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 reliant on us staying in the Premier League. But we've been burnt in the past, haven't we? By get by letting players' contracts run down and as as not getting you know any any sort of transfer fee. I think Tarkovsky comes to mind, doesn't he? Last season, you know, probably probably one of our best players over the last sort of five years, and he ended up leaving for nothing. So this guards against that, doesn't it? So there's an upside as well as a downside to it. And you would hope that the club's been savvy enough. I, I, I can't believe they haven't been savvy enough to build into these things uh, protections um, that that could save us from major sort of financial embarrassment. Um, I've got my I fingers crossed about that. In January, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but it protects the value, though, doesn't it? If there's if yeah. the, if 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 Benson contract if Benson's contract runs out in the summer, we get nothing for him now, do we? So, same with Zaruri. So I, I don't know. Yeah. A couple of people, we've flashed up a couple of comments there. Simon Eds, were the contract extensions not just to bump their wages up to align with Premier League football? I, I, I think they were. And I think that's what Dan was mentioning in terms of the um, the, the kind of automatic, they felt kind yeah. of automatic rather than in talks. Um, Matthew, uh, sorry, Kyle said, um, in my opinion, the recruitment failure hasn't been the quality of players but the functions of the players we lost. And I think there's certainly something in that. You know, he mentioned the runs behind, the, the mats and ball carrying. I, I think that's probably the 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 reason why we've we've kind of suffered from that. Um, but I just thought I'd open this up, uh, Simon. I'll go to you because I know you're a massive Magic Mike fan. Um, who is worth <laughs> any money in this squad? And, and Johnny Dugdale says, Trezor definitely isn't worth what we supposedly pay or we're due to pay because that is a loan with an obligation to buy. And our young keeper definitely isn't worth what we paid. Now, again, big discussions on up the clarets around transfer fees and, and things like that. And we know that all the fees are you know, subject to add-ons and all of this carry-on and England appearances and getting into international squads and playing in World Cups and appearances and all this you know, bollocks we get now with transfer fees. But Simon, who is worth any money in this squad? Let's let's deal with this. And don't don't throw any transfer fees out because we always get criticised. We got criticised because Audebar is apparently 11 million euros, not 12. But what's what's a million euros between friends under <laughs> Oh, His microphone's gone. I think he might be on mute. I'm just distracted by that avatar that Johnny Dugdale has a benefit scrounge your mum's 10k Vegas trip. So I didn't even see that when we put it up. That's that's, that's, uh, that, that's in Mike Trezor territory, is that in terms of uh, <laughs> money squandering? Uh, who's worth any money in this squad? Well, there's quite a lot of them are worth something, aren't they? But I mean, uh, I mean, does it uh, does Johnny mean really who's who 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 we're going to make a profit on? Um, 
I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... So. I think that might be. I think that might be what we're saying there in terms of yeah, know, who, who are we going to turn a profit on quickly, if you will? Well, you would mm. think either of the two wingers who've, who've shown up well, uh, Odebar and Kolly Osho, if he, presuming he gets back to fitness and so on, um, you'd think we would get more than what we paid for for those two, having the both having shown that they can play and compete at Premier League level, albeit only really glimpses to Burnley fans so far. They haven't taken the Premier League by storm. So I don't think we'd be doubling our money on them or anything. But, you know, let's not forget, you know, we watched Maxwell Corney and and weren't overly impressed totally, were we? He's exciting. He had his moments, but you could see his limitations. You could see mm. that there was, you know, we weren't quite sure what position he played and various other things. And someone still came in with a decent offer for him, West Ham, didn't they? And took mm. him took him off as you know, Nathan Collins looked good, but how many games did he play for us? I mean, I don't want to give the number out because somebody will correct me, but you know, it <laughs> He wasn't a regular, was he? Because Tarkovsky and me were the regulars. But he came in, did well, showed up, looked well. You thought, well, he might be a decent replacement for Tarkovsky when he goes, if we'd stayed in the Premier League. Um, but we did get money, good money for him. So people will come in. And there is a there is a big premium. And it's worth remembering this on all the transfer fee things. If you've played and shown you can do it at the Premier League, even if it's only for a limited period of time, that bumps your value up a really lot over somebody who, dare I say, has been, you know, player of the year in a sort of middle-tier European league or something. You know, that doesn't necessarily translate into his value, but it does in the Premier League. It, it really does. So I think we've got a few. I think Sander Berg we get money for. Um, I mean, broader question, is it working as a strategy to buy these players cheap and sell them high? No, that doesn't seem to be working at the moment. I don't. We've think not borne that out, have we? Let's be honest. Let's let's be fair to the strategy. We yeah. we've not yet. You know, until until we get a full right. scene. I don't yeah, think okay. we're the jury's definitely out on that. There are a lot of players. Is, yeah. There are a lot of well. There's a number of players who have already shown significant improvement, and we're only halfway through the first Premier League season. Yeah. Yeah, we've got to bear that in mind. Yeah, I, think I mean, Traf- I'm doing it by Traf- the end of the season. Good. I'm doing it might be worth a lot more than, than than we think he would be now. Yeah, so that's a fair point. Yeah, Foster, um, definitely. Foster, yeah, I think Foster's a really good example. You know, somebody who will get you goals in the Premier League. Um, John Robertson, I presume, has been on uh, has been on alcohol. Um, because I he says run as high from his mouth for Lyle. I, I, think, I think he must be. I mean, I've got a lot to give John credit for. His mouth for Lyle campaign has been absolutely superb. And uh, a big shout out to David Clark as well, who, who and and he's really been miling for Lyle. I think he's probably done goodness knows how many miles for Lyle. But John says we could sell or share for a bit of a profit, only a bit, at the end of the season. Mm. It is. Yeah. It's, it's weird, isn't it, that we're saying this, having having been very critical of the uh, the former West Brom man at the start of the season. But he is turning into one of those players who you can see that we brought in cheap. He's mm. been developed under Vincent Company, and there may be one or two suitors for him. Should you know we go down and the opportunity arises to to move him on for you know double the three million we paid for him or whatever we paid for him. Um, need a fact checker on that, but. You know, Chris, this is this is part of the model, isn't it? For all the excitement of Odebart and and um Collie Offshore and Amdune, actually getting a, a million pound player like Vitinho and selling him for three million because he's starting to prove himself, getting a, a an O'Shea for two and a half, three million, whatever we paid for him and selling him for four and a half. They're not huge profits. We're not, you know, we're not suddenly gonna be getting Neymar or, or Messi on contracts for that kind of profit. But it is turning profits, isn't it? It is bringing players in, improving and, and, and shipping them out. Well, exactly. That's something you steadily keep doing that. If you improve every player you bring in and make a profit on every player, then uh, you know the likelihood is that you go out and sign a better player and do, you know, try and do the same again. I mean, you only have to look at the, you know, the top clubs in terms of their academies, you know, just supplementing their spend by selling, you know, the you know, lads from the academy for whatever it is now. I mean the fees are astronomical for the academy lads. But you know, there's Chelsea and City, United have always had great success that way. But the best thing that, you know, Vincent in the you know, in his recruitment, the the age range of the lads he's signed. I mean even Del Quar's twenty four, three mm. million euro 
three million euro, according to uh, transfer mark. There might be someone who looks at him if Burnley go down and think, you know what, he, he can play centre half, he can play left back. You know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give Burnley, you know, whatever, double double their money for him, sort of thing. And it's you know, you're not uh, you're not blowing the budget on on players like him. Similar with O'Shea, you know, twenty four year old lad. He's had a sniff of it before with West Brom. He's an international footballer. You know, he's going to be playing for Ireland. You'd suspect for you know, best part of a, a decade to come. And uh, he, as 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 many people have said, he he has improved vastly. You know, you look at his. We 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 brought it up a couple of times. You know, the uh, aerial duels. I think he was third in the Premier League at the last uh, last count behind. Uh, Van Dyke and, and Kilman at Wolves. So, you know, it, there's areas of his game there that, that, that are absolutely tip-top. You know, others that need improvement and are improving. But, yeah, I just I just struggle to think. I mean, I, I, I'm doing it. If, you know, if you, you're led to believe, you know, 80, 18 million euro, is someone going to pay pay that for him? This is the weird thing, like Simon says, you know, we, we might, you know, you might chance upon somebody in a European league who, who thinks he might be worth a punt, but I agree with you. I think it's it's a bit of a strange one. We should just point out, we're doing live fact-checking just to make sure we don't fall foul, but um, yeah, the O'Shea fee was close to 7 million quid, not the 2.5, 3 million that I had him down as. Um, 7.8 million euro, apparently, if we're going... Uh, yeah. <laughs> There we go. Transfer mark seven million quid for Dara. Well, don't, well, don't forget how mad the Premier League can be with transfers. It is. As well. Yeah. And you what's know, the thing I mean, is that if Zeki ends the season scoring three and three, that might you know add eight nine million to his value in somebody yeah. in terms of what yeah. somebody might pay yeah. for him. I mean, we've seen Richarlison go several times for big fees, haven't we? And he, he's he <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know he's yeah. in a bit of a purple patch now at Spurs, but barely kind of. Um, pulls up trees. Let's have a look what else we've got. Um, I think this is an interesting one from Simon Holden. Raise money through departures fund quality central midfielders. Key area for the Premier League. I, I think it is the most important area in the Premier League. Um, and we do lose that area, don't we, in most Premier League games. I mean, uh, Woody, we've had this conversation about what we've needed and we said in the summer we needed a big rangy central midfielder who's tough in the tackle can get from box to box Simon's not wrong there is he in terms of that is the area where we're constantly pulling um, I'm going to say pulling our hair out but there's only really Chris that's not following <laughs> challenged on the, uh, this, yeah. uh, well, no. it's all gone group. He's all gone. Probably through watching Dar at 7 million quid and, and watching us lose midfield battles don't we? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the argument, isn't there, that if we can reinvest this into some quality instead of the quantity, then mm. we'll be then we'll be seeing something. So it w- it would be nice to see an improvement, a step up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Whether that happens though is another thing entirely. Whether he just keeps repeating the model and just hoping things come to, then you know, we don't know. Uh. How many of those rangy midfielders are there, though? I mean, it's sort True. of everyone, everyone yeah. used to talk about the Makaleli role. Yeah. Now everyone's talking about a role that basically Yaya Tori made his, made his own. That, that you only sort of you're looking at the the Bellinghams of this world, and the, you know the other French lads at Real Madrid, and you know I think people, you know Laconga was obviously linked in the summer and looked looked half a player for Luton the other the other night, but. Uh, it's uh, w- w- would he have made a difference? I don't know on that showing. I'm not not hundred percent sure. It's mm. interesting, isn't it, that people focus on that position as like needing somebody who's really strong physically, and you know it is that Yaya Torre, Patrick Vieira, Makaleli sort of presence that people think of when they talk about a midfield destroyer or someone who. But you know Liverpool couldn't replace Fabinho, could it? Who played that kind of role? They couldn't find anyone. They've ended up with. Uh, you know, um, the Japanese Endo, player, End- yeah. Endo, who's not a big physical specimen at all, you know, but he does break it up and he does do that job. So, you know, maybe mm. we need to need to think about that position a bit more. He's broad. like a Cullen, isn't he? He's like a Cullen Endo. He's just a metronome. He uh, yeah. he doesn't give the ball away, and I say he's not physical, but he's in the usually in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was very impressive against us. I, I really, yeah. 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 fantastic. And um, and I mean, talking of that. Somebody, we, a couple of people have mentioned uh, Luton in terms of team spirit and giving it a go. Somebody's mentioned that they've just signed or about signed Dan Byrne um, from Newcastle. I mean, that's a bit of a really? sign. 
that is a real signing if that's true and they pull that off. Um, let's move on to kind of some off the field matters because I think it's you know it is worth tackling. We've got a bit of a we've got a few questions on the off the field. Um, John, uh, recovering from his uh, his or share for par, says Burnley supporters, <laughs> why are they not valued at all now? by those in charge. Removal of the player boards, stopping the food banks, freezing them out. They does feel, I mean, we, we took a bit of stick from people when, you know, we, you said, Justin, I say we, you took a bit of stick, Justin, um, for saying it doesn't feel like Burnley anymore. And a few people went, does it, did it feel like Burnley last season? We know what you mean from a, a playing point of view, but from an off the field point of view, Justin, mm. that was part of your argument, wasn't it? That everything just feels a little bit, you know, corporate, metronomical, or that it's just existing as a business. It does feel a little... It's difficult to quantify, isn't it? Because it's like a, it's like a feeling, isn't it? That it, everything just seems to be a little bit more detached in some way. Um, mm-hmm. And they seem to be going... They seem to be going sort of round... They seem to be really keen to sort of key in to the history of the club, you know, the, the, the pre-match... Jordan North poem and all that sort of stuff and the let you know the videos that they play before the game they seem they seem very keen to 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 play on the on the club's history in that way but but like John says a lot of the stuff that is connects the club directly to the community seems to be they seem to have a bit of a less of a commitment to that almost like they don't quite understand how it works almost like you know harking back to the good old days is enough to keep that community connection rather than actually, I mean, I've said this many times on this podcast, Burnley Football Club is a community asset, isn't it? It does not belong to ALK. It belongs to the town of Burnley and it ought to be used for the good of the town of Burnley. Um, And if if all these things are happening, if if like all the ways in which the community it actually physically in the town is being cut off from the club, then that can't be a good thing because a club like Burnley, you know, survives and thrives on that connection with where it's from. Uh, And I think it would be a massive mistake to, to let those connections, you know, disappear. Yeah. Um, Simon and Woody, I know you were uh, desperately considering whether to buy international membership so you could get the treacherous table in the fan zone for the odd appearance. <laughs> Your Zoom call with a, a fringe player at some point over the course of the season. <laughs> um, I mean, you you obviously both lived in America. I mean, um, you know, unbroken service in America for, for you, Woody, and you've been back in America for a number of years now, Simon, having been back over here for a number of years. Um, what... Um, I'm really interested in your connection and what you feel from a connection to Burnley Football Club. And and I wonder whether the the kind of arrival of JJ Watt, who I, I think, you know, my personal um, view uh, on JJ Watt is I think he's doing a fantastic job in terms of pushing, you know, and he clearly has a bit of a sense of history and things like that. I, I just wondered from your two's point of view whether you felt a stronger connection previously to Burnley Football Club, whether the onus is on you to have the connection, not living in the town, so you have to work harder to keep that connection. But I'm just interested, as international fans and fans who don't live in East Lancashire, um, whether or not we, you know, you feel that there's been a lessening of the, um, the, the kind of connection you feel. Go on, Woody to go with that yeah. would it no i mean it's a yeah it's it's a it's a good question it is but it's all there's no i don't think there's much difference between being say an expat fan in the us and somebody living in norwich for example there's literally no difference between that your history is your history the culture of the club is how you grew up with the club and your memories are still the same it's the same no matter what but i think harking back to this uh thing about the history and the food banks, etc. I think some of this is for American fans because American, you know, American folks trying to understand the sport, you can't quite dig into the community aspect, but you can buy into the history. You know, they like that as a package. Um, and so I think some of that might be for newer fans trying to sell the club to a broader, newer fan base within the US. And I think 
that's not a mistake, but it's a mistake, obviously, to do that at the expense of Burnley as a community club. Because even though, yes, all football clubs will say they're community clubs, but Burnley especially is the heartbeat of that town and the area. And if they, mm. and they're not going to fuck this up because nobody's going to allow them to fuck it up. That's the point. You know, this isn't their club. And that's that's the bottom line. Yeah, I think I think the thing about the supporters club um is probably the worst worst example of what they've done really, just just cutting off really clubs that have been well established and 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 people who've been really committed to the club who were there during the time when, you know, I mean we few of us will remember when there was uh, fundraising efforts for the youth team done by some of those people on on message boards and through supporters clubs and that kind of thing and sponsoring young players and all that kind of stuff because the club didn't have the resources to to do those things and to sort of freeze those people out um and those organizations out i think reflects well it's it's a bit of an arrogant thing to do um and it's also i think it doesn't exist in american sports here at all those kind of rooted supporters clubs that you know here be clarets and things like that. it doesn't exist you have fan groups and booster groups, as they call them, for college sports and that kind of thing. But, you know, no NFL club is going to sit down and talk to, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers supporters club about what they should be doing. It just doesn't, it just doesn't exist. They'll, con- they'll consult with fans in a certain ways, in a sort of marketing sort of focus groupy type way, but not that sort of democratic participation piece that that, that is part of, of that. So I think they just don't, you know, the fact that they you know, selected a, a board of people to be an advisory board is much more of an American thing to do than saying, who do we meet these people? And I think there were some comments came out of Bobby, Bobby Ball's uh, interview where he was saying, like, we just felt that they were a bit a bit negative and, you know, these people were just whinging and, and we wanted people who were going to be positive. Well, yeah, you would. But, you know, you do have to listen to people who whinge as well if you really, you know, really want to be part of it all. It's, that's part of the process. I don't think supporters clubs should dictate what's happening either, but you know, it seems unnecessarily uh, antagonistic what they've done with 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 the players' boards that were around the the ground, for example, that were all, you know, voluntarily put together and fundraised and and organised by by fan groups and everything, and then suddenly they're sat, you know, out of sight um, for since then, and and nobody really knowing what's happening with it. So. I think they could improve a lot of things on that, but I, I wouldn't hold my breath on it, to be honest, because I don't think it's part of their business culture. Yeah. There's, um, there's enough of an area where they can put those boards back. You know, the, yeah. the, the turf to town walkway now. I mean, there must be enough sort of... I mean, if, if it's not directly on the turf in and around that, you know, the, the walk down Yorkshire Street. But uh, I miss the old cutout ones as well. You remember the old... Cutout ones on the uh, the Bob Lord stand wall there at uh, the one of Glenn Little and Ian Wright yeah. and, and 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 I think Pates again and players like that. You know, obviously the uh, the legends from the uh, from the sixties, etc. It's uh, it's it's criminal, really. That not only have they you know they've been long gone, but give give them an an, an explanation. You know what what are they doing with them? Have they have they done away with them? Mm. Uh, you know, are, are they keeping them for posterity? What, what, what are they doing with them? It's just yeah, I, bizarre. I believe, some, I believe something is happening. I think Tony Scholes said on Up the Clarence that there has been some communication about what's happened. And I'm not going to labour too much on this because I'm still distraught about it. But uh, Simon Ed says, think ALK should, should chuck somebody into the KSC 110 club and keep it alive. Uh, it's such a shame. I think most of us have, have had pre-match pints in, in mm. there. Um, just wanted to move on to something Tommy, uh, Thomas Pickles mentioned, away from incomings and outgoings, with a few people picking up on pace and other AOK members wearing the hats with the B logo. Do uh, the panel envisage any sort of official rebrand upon their rising? Now, we kicked off a little bit because of the, the new kind of single colour badge that appears to be on all the kind of Premier League stuff in the summer. Um, this B that Alan appears to be wearing on his on his cab, I don't mind it, I have to say. I think if you want something a bit more subtle than a, a Burnley badge on a piece of merch, do we perhaps see, like United have done with their third kit, I think it is this season, they've, they've just got the, the devil on. So all the Adidas clubs on the third strips have yeah. got you know, Roma and, uh, and Juventus and size like that. 
Yeah. Do we see an official rebrand or do we think it's just, again, maybe for that American market where we're used to seeing, I think we've said on the podcast, it feels very American kind of college sports, you know, collegiate wear that you can stick on a baseball jacket, a cap, a T-shirt. What do, what do we think? Justin, you're our kind of fashion expert with your <laughs> gap, gap, gap on there. What, what do we think about, about the B? Is it, is it something we, we should be worried about a rebrand? No, I mean I have seen that bit. I didn't. Is it? Is it? Does it? Does the B stand for Burnley on that cap? Is it? I don't know. I've never I've seen it anywhere it. else. It's the same font that the Oktoberfest font, as we christened it in the WhatsApp group. The oh, kind of October, right. The uh, the new sort of, the new cup. That, that was uh, the polite version of it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, uh, the, we we've said before, haven't we? If we if we're going to change the badge. It, it it's got to be to this one, hasn't it? It's got to be. You think this so? is the be- this is the be- the cool the coolest badge we've ever had. That's the coolest shirt we've ever had. If there's going to be any kind of you know single mon- mono color uh, rebrand, it, it's got to be to this. I, I, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not buying the the B that he's got on his cap. No, no, I'm not having that. I think if you had a vote, you know, among the fans, I, I say I, I don't know if they'll they'll bear me out on this, but I think most would go for the you know the crest that was through the eighties and nineties. You see so many guys the one with a hand. Yep, yeah, and so the, many people yeah. with, with t- tattoos of that on their uh, various parts of their anatomy. So uh, it's it's obviously it's, it's in, everyone wants it uh, wants things clean and tidy in this day and age, don't they? The badges and. It's a bit complicated that one, but uh, I let's think do it. Let's have a win. poll. Let's have an online poll about. Yeah, it. I yeah think let's do it. Win. What yeah. do we think? Yeah, S N F C B M F one two seven nine nine says, which bits of the badge would you keep? Um, and I, I think, yeah, I, I like the hand. I think the hand is is quite Andy nice. Farrell. Andy it's Farrell's bit, hand. Yeah, Andy Farrell. There we go. It's a bit. It's a bit. David it's claiming Blaine. offside. Yeah, <laughs> but there is. <laughs> I don't mind certain things from a from a, a kind of, you know, being a bit creative with the merchandise. I'm not necessarily somebody who wants to be, you know, on a city break somewhere walking around head to toe in Burnley Crest. But I might, you know, something a bit more subtle from a T-shirt point of view. And we might have just the answer. Big wink coming Ooh. up for you guys. Um, <laughs> In in in, uh, <laughs> in next week or so, once we've uh, you know once we've sorted out the British Cayman Isles bank account <laughs> and things like that to uh, to charge for, you but thought it, this was just an innocent chat about me. <laughs> I know, really <laughs> 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 held beliefs, and then <laughs> subliminal messaging. Um, but yeah, I think I think the crest and the rebrand. I'm I'm I wouldn't want to see the crest completely go. I wouldn't want to see. You know, suddenly turning out as the Burnley Bees or whatever madcap idea. Oh, um, Jesus <laughs> Christ! Bobby <laughs> Ball comes like that. You'll give them Bobby Ball comes up. Bobby Ball's Burnley Bees. I'm sure he's never even thought something. of that. Bobby Balls. Yeah. Bobby the Bobby Balls. Um, we should stop calling that. That's, yeah. It's very rude, isn't it? Come on. It's very, very rude. Um, <laughs> cool, but yeah, I think that... and then of course you're welcome to come on the show anytime you want, Bobby. Of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> I can discuss pies and things like that. Um, let's have a look what else we've got. Yeah, I mean, John Robertson mentioned the lock screen promotion yesterday, which was a very, you know, basically you could type your name and number into Twitter and they'd send you back a picture of the back of the shirt with the new Oktoberfest writing. Um, I don't think that rebrand of the, uh, the, the, the player's name and numbers has gone down that well, given the fact both the men's and the women's team went out of the FA Cup in the very next round. Um, and they <laughs> yeah, were giving that's... away... They were giving away yes. free printing. Uh, Cra- it's crazy. It's a crazy thing not yes. to do it at the end of the season for the next season, isn't it? To just sort of drop it in halfway through a season on a on a on a shirt that's specific to a particular competition that you might. Well, we're not in it anymore, are we? So it's just it's just weird, isn't it? To, <laughs> it's like it is it's odd. Like, I mean. It's like the safe standing thing that they said they're going to put in before the end of this season. Why? What? what what's the rush? Why? You know that's going to upset a lot of people because some people are going to have to move out of their seats, aren't they? Or, or whatever. It's just, just this like sort of constant sort of churn of new stuff without well, a sort how, of how real proper How many logos and crests do we have? How many do we have? We have we have monochromes. We have the original. We have 
you know, the ones that have been sold on your on on your your hat now. I mean, we've got four or five at least floating yeah. around. I mean, it's not mm. exactly brand consistency, is it? Yeah, Jane Davison says Alan Alan Pace can shove his B. We yeah. have three official <laughs> crests that serve as well. Use yes. those or parts of them. Yeah, down to we need more comments like that. that. Yeah. I'm with you, Jane, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I we I mean I'm not going to just stir the pot, but um. I've got a microphone, I'm on YouTube and I'm going to bloody use it. Um, <laughs> have any flags? Has anyone spotted any flags? I've not seen any flags yet. I think the 200 flags that we're giving out for free are probably now all on eBay. Um, the guy in front of me, actually, him and his, his young lads, both had them and folded them very neatly in the cellophane and put them in their bags. So they were, <laughs> they were not getting used for what they were, they were meant to be used for, which, is, uh, which I can see. But l- let's talk about this wider kind of, I don't know if it's an Americanization. That might be really rude to some of our American listeners and, and viewers. But it does feel like, you know, we don't need his own font, do we? You know, that font's appeared around the ground on the screens and on the front of the programme since the start of the season. You know, it... It does, to me, remind me of Oktoberfest. It's very kind of 18th, 19th century Germanic. Air what, happened to, what happened to the official like official <laughs> font of the Premier League, etc.? used to all have the same yeah, that's u- it. Uni- uniform numbers and, 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 and letters. It was... Uh, yeah, it's yeah, don't bring it don't bring it out for a cup for a cup tie when you've already been knocked out. It's, it's just but it's all very much part and parcel of the modern game, isn't it? Where you you know, it's the unveiling of the third shirt and you either love it, love it, or it's a bag of shit. You know, and and we see it with every single club and they just throw anything out there, left, right and centre, and it's just an eternal money grab. You know, and so I don't think it's going to stop. Some of the things you're going to like, some of the things are going to evolve, some of the things are going to make sense. They're going to have little focus groups, et cetera, et cetera. And so I don't, I don't have that much of a problem with it. We all have our preferences, you know, and we can all get whatever the damn well we please. Really. I tell you what, if they did go all in next year and we had the V with that <laughs> crest on it, right? We had Justin's hat on it. Yeah. Our away kit was yellow. With the with the uh, blue and claret trim down the sleeves, perhaps, or the or the one that Billy Hamilton wore at Spurs with the claret mm-hmm. and blue across the front, or one of those really boring early seventies white ones with a round collar and just BFC down the side. That'd also be. Oh, that would also nice. be. But go yeah. for, go for a complete retro repackage, yeah. and bring out loads of training gear and everything in that one thing, but consistently do it for like a year or two and then do something else afterwards because you've got to make money. We all get that. We're not naive. But just do it instead of like, you know, in November we'll have this font. In in, in December we're going to maybe have a, you know, just to, just to go for it properly because the strips the haven't been very interesting this year anyway, have they really? Yeah. No. You know. I would say the home the home kit is growing. I mean, I still don't like any of the sponsors. It's all but right. the, home, the home kit I think is actually quite nice. Um. I think it's, what is interesting, like you say, I mean, we are changing kit supply next year. Castoria are reportedly coming in, so Castoria—they've had great success with Villa, haven't they? And, yeah, uh, Villa had the wet look kit that was well, uh, that was mm. universally hated. Um, but yeah, apparently we're moving from Umbro to Castoria next year. Um, I think there is some local connection to Castoria, but I'm not quite sure yeah, there what is. the local connection is. But um, yeah, I, it, we were discussing the old TFG kits on the uh, the WhatsApp group earlier. <laughs> as long as it's never TFG or what was can the I one? say? Can I say what the what the players used to call it? If oh, it any, it. <laughs> oh, using using those initials, it was total garbage. <laughs> what what horrible! Yeah. <laughs> like it looked like the stitching was too tight on like the logos. Oh, and things it was like that. It it was was dreadful. I imagine they were they were made down Law House in that little church next to Law House Cricket Club oh. that they used to use down there. But... Cots brought the old Araya into town. Araya, yeah, it's a bit of Italian culture. Yeah, I like the Mizuno kits. I think Lazio have got Mizuno kits this year. That's a bit of a a throwback, I think. But uh, I'm. We're about to hit the hour mark, so let's leave it there. Thank you very much for everyone who's joined us. I think we've uh, we've tried to get through as many questions uh, as we can. Um, uh, there. How have we managed to talk for an hour without mentioning VAR? I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, we kind of, wow. I think we'll the, do that next week. Yeah, the blood has been boiling so much that we've uh, we, we're kind of trying to keep 
blood pressure down. But um, I'm sure we'll make our thoughts known on uh, on on Twitter and various. Well, well stuff. done to JJ Watt for having a good old rant about it on American telly. Anyway, I thought uh, he, he got his point yeah. very forcefully there. Yeah, he did. Um, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at BO Podcast. Most of you probably already do anyway, but do tell your friends. Search for BO Podcast on Facebook. Uh, we will we will be back next week. There's going to be no debrief because there's nothing to debrief, and I'm pretty certain you don't want to hear about all our weekend plans. Maybe you do. Um, but we're, we'll be back uh, next Friday, probably, unless we decide to do another live. I think we'll see how um, how uh, how successful this one's been. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much to... All of the panel, Simon Evans, Justin Connolly, Paul Woodhouse, Chris Borden, myself, Andrew Greaves. Uh, see you next time and up the clarets.